Have you ever made a promise to yourself to live a better life and then years go by, nothing changes, or you actually completely forgot? Do you think that you're too old or too young to do something? My guest today promised herself in her 20s to live a good life, do things and make a difference. Then she forgot about it. And it hit her at 60 while she was walking along the river. She heard a voice that said, and now Kathleen Sinclair, what are you going to do about your life? So she went on to earn a master's degree, served in the Peace Corps for two years in Ukraine, got certified in conflict resolution and mediation to work with the court system, and decided to write a book called Fuck Aging. <laughs> in this book, she proves that no challenge is too hard to conquer and that anyone from anywhere can live a brilliant, vibrant life that truly begins with retirement. But honestly, her insights can be applied to any age. In this episode, we talk about discovering your purpose, what it means to live a purpose-driven life, what it's like to get older, and even if you're very young, you might learn something that you can start applying now. We talk about respect for older people, what should be everyone's number one friend starting today, how age is so relative, and so many things are imposed by our culture and society norms. One trait that should stay with you all your life. We also talk about what makes some people more cranky. The importance of keeping an open mind, a learning attitude, and a willingness to listen. And at the end, we see Catherine in action, creating a plan to connect younger and older generations through... Well, you will just have to listen until the end. Are you ready? Have you ever wondered what makes people capable of creating changes that impact their lives and the world around them? What is their way of thinking, their mentality, their patterns, their perceptions of the world, their reactions to different life events? What influences them? My name is Cristina Puyol, and I invite you to join me in this adventure where we will explore together the mind of change makers. If you think you're too old to start something, to finish something, to do something, think again. Today, I have with me an amazing woman that after 60 has earned her master's degree, served in the Peace Corps for two years in Ukraine, and got certified in conflict resolution and mediation to work with the court system. And more recently wrote a book called Fuck Aging. <laughs> in her new book, she proves that no challenge is too hard to conquer and that anyone from anywhere can live a brilliant, vibrant life that truly begins with retirement. And I, honestly, I think it can be applied to any age. My guest today, Kathleen Sinclair, is an environmentalist, animal lover, birther, and adventurous who has been on the mission for over 15 years to reignite and inspire people over 60 to live a purpose-driven second half of life. She has worked with many authors and mentors, including Paul Scheel, Steve Cutler, Eric Edmonds, and Jack Canfield. Kathleen continues to roam the globe, promoting her unconventional ideas about living an encore life. You can find her out in nature today with me, reading a favorite mystery and looking forward to getting a dog. So welcome, Kathleen. So happy to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm loving this too. And so I'm in the United States and you're in Spain and it's just we're bringing in the world. It's great. Yes, 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 yes. And you were recently in Mexico too. So you're traveling all over the world. 
Yes, I, I love Mexico. I've lived there a couple of times, different times. And uh, it's very, you know, it's just right on the border of the United States. So it's a close country to live in. And uh, it's easy. And plus, unfortunately for them, but good for us, the exchange rate is really good. And so it's not expensive at all to live there. And it's a lovely place. I met Kathleen, actually, I think now two years, three years ago already. And she has such an amazing energy and she's always inspired everybody around her and she inspired the group of people that we were together. Everybody loved her and she has so much energy that we're all wondering, where is she getting all this energy from? <laughs> so I am, I am really happy to have you here because as we were discussing pre-recording, aging has nothing to do with the age. Um, and really, I think... I will think of like three ages, like the body age, the mental age, and the soul age. And they, they might coincide or they might not. But I think you wrote an amazing book with a lot of tools to make people live, live their life and not just sit around yeah. for, like you were saying, for them to die. So tell us a little bit how you got inspired to write that book. Well, if... Um... It started when I really was quite young, when I was 25, I had, I, uh, my dad died and I, I tell this story in the book, but that I was not close to my father at all. He was quite abusive and drank a lot and really was not a good role model. But then when, when he was, when he died, when I was 25, I remember my mother sent me to the hospital to pick up his belongings and this person brought them out in a brown paper bag. And I just thought to myself, well, this is this this is my dad in this brown paper bag. And I realized that I was very angry with him, but I was also really angry with myself because I realized that I had not taken the time to ask him questions and find out about him and find out what what made him tick. And I think it's because he was always so angry and abusive that I wasn't drawn to that. I, I didn't feel comfortable doing that with him. But also then I was angry at him because truly I could not remember anything that he had done except criticize us and um, and make us feel less than. And I, I just he died when he was 70. And I thought, you know, when I get older, I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to do that. I promise myself that I will live a good life and do things and make a difference. And then sort of, you know, when you're 25, it's me, me, me. And so I forgot about it. And then when I was 60, I was walking my dogs. I lived along a river and I was walking my dogs early in the morning along this river. And, and it was just like a jolt that came to me and said, OK, Kathleen, you're 60. Now, what are you going to do about it? And so I thought, whoa, what am I? What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I going to do about? I don't want to be like that. I, what can I do? So um, I was, yeah, I did, I got my master's when I was 60. And so I was doing those kinds of things, but I really, I really was kind of just, I did that because I got divorced and I needed to find another occupation. So it wasn't a, a, oh, whoopee doopee, I'm gonna do this. It was like, what are you gonna do now? You're divorced and you gotta do this. So I started my journey then and I did things. Like I told you, I got the master's. I went in the Peace Corps when I was 63. I did this, I did that, but it wasn't for a purpose. I didn't find a purpose to put all these things together for until I really was in my 70s. And I thought, 
okay, you're, you're doing things. That's great, Kathleen, but what are you going to do with these things? And so then I realized I went through a series of exercises about what is my purpose? And I list some of those in the book. They're different than what I did, but it gives you whatever works for you. And so by actually taking the time and asking myself different questions, I realized that my purpose, because now I had done this for like 12 years, I talked to people, interviewed people, traveled and talked to people. And it was just like, okay, my purpose is to have people over 60 ignite their life so that they can live a purpose second half, you know, a purpose driven second half of life. Because what I realized in my travels and my talking to people is that this was a freaking time of brilliance. I can't tell you the amazing people I met. And they also weren't sure what to do with themselves. You know, they weren't, they weren't sure uh, what's going to happen. And I think it's one of the reasons and I is that we're living longer now. You and I talked about that. Mm-hmm. And so there was a time when, yeah, when you retired in a few years, you were gone. But now we're living a lot longer, medical advances and so on. So we are like my, people 60, my generation older, we're like the pioneers for what it can be like to live a generous second half of life. And so that's that's kind of where where I started, where my story went and, and why I ended up writing the book. Yeah. And what does it mean for you, purpose driven life? Well, it's it's that um, what sometimes when we're children, we have we do things that excite us. And then somehow society, teachers, the church, parents, they put, oh, no, you don't want to do that. Oh, that's too hard. Oh, no, that's just stupid. Oh, we don't have the money, whatever it is. And you just kind of go into yourself and yourself kind of gets very small. So the purpose is something that you wake up every day going, oh, my God, I get another day to do this. This is so freaking amazing. I can't believe it. And you just are so excited about figuring out ways to make whatever that is happen. Now, if that is knitting blankets for children or people in Afghanistan or what, it doesn't matter what it is. Gardening, it doesn't matter what it is. What, but you need to figure it out and you need to decide, okay, these other things are nice, but they don't give me passion. They don't, they don't ignite me. They don't make me want to get up in the morning and jump out of bed. And so that's what that's what purpose is to me. And then you combine it with something that needs to be done in the world, whether it's homelessness or like we've been talking about bringing the generations together, you know, like you're, you're ch- and you're the name of your podcast, Change Makers. That's your passion. That's your passion. You know, how can we make change for the better for people? How can we be a change maker to make the world better? And what could I? I mean, I'm. That might be my new new uh, passion. You know, it's just such a great thing. So that's what I mean by it. Is that your heart beats faster? You get excited. You talk to people. They kind of stand back. Oh, you're really excited about that. You know, it just it's different. It's not just how's it going. Oh yeah, you know, gossiping about somebody. It's that you let all that other extraneous stuff fall away and you learn to focus on what's important yes that's amazing 
So it's really whatever excites you that on top of it has a service and can help some, yes. something to fix something or to improve something or to elevate something that is happening yeah. around you. Yeah. And it doesn't. Yeah. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, you know, I don't have a big purpose. And, and I think every purpose is important. The, yes. you, know, you don't have to be solving, you know, world peace. You just if you solve the peace around your family, that's a big thing. <laughs> you know, exactly. If everybody does that, all the families will be more peaceful. So I think every it every is. Purpose, it's like yeah. a pebble in a pond. It radiates out. So you're yeah. right. And people put themselves down. Oh, I can't do anything. Oh, I don't know. Or oh, I'm not talented or I'm not creative. Just let that stuff go. That's the same thing about aging. That is a, a narrowing thing. So mm -hmm. just let those things kind of fall away and let yourself kind of dream big and write notes and, and let it out there and see each of you. Right. Every person is a gem. Every person has something that they have to offer. Yeah. And I think, uh, funny enough, I just had a conversation with somebody else, uh, a woman that she's actually in her 50s, and she was saying how she doesn't like to be told, oh, you look great for your age. And, and she's like, no, I want to look great, period. <laughs> I don't want right. to look great for, or, you know, for whatever age. It's like, I want to be vibrant, energetic and look good, you know, regardless of my age. So, And it's so funny because... When people say that, they say that to me a lot because oftentimes in in groups, I'm the oldest person and that's fine with me, but they they think it's a compliment. Oh, you look good for your age or, oh, you don't look your age. And I mean, I write about this in the book. It's so funny because I wanted, I don't say it because I know they mean well, Yes. but I want to say, well, what is my age supposed to look like? I mean, <laughs> or what are you comparing me to? Are you comparing me to your grandmother, the, some movie star, uh, some dream you had? I mean, I, I, it's just so funny yeah. because, well, first of all, a lot of people are afraid to get older. And so they think, oh, if I could look like that person looks, I'd be OK. So then they think to them, you look good if I if I could look good for my age. So they think of age as a negative thing. And then they think, okay, but you look good. So you look good for something negative. It's so weird. I didn't know there was a dog in here with me. Um, <laughs> so anyway, you just, um, you, it, 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 it's an interesting thing. And, and, but I don't ever put anybody down when they say that to me, Christina, no, because they mean good. They really, yeah. they do, yes. they mean well, yes. and they, it's a positive yes. thing. And they, they enjoy talking to me. I did have one man actually say to me, only one person has ever said to me, well, what's it like to get older? Only one person. And I said, listen, it's great. It's so freeing. It's this. He was just, he was amazed. I could tell he was afraid of it. He was probably about 35. I said, it's just the best. And you will um, just keep your mind open and you'll be fine. But nobody else has asked me. It's like, they don't want to kind of discuss it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll ask you, what, what is it like to get older? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think it brings a bunch of freedom for one thing. I know this is a weird thing to say, but you, at least at this point, you become kind of invisible. So you can be a little crazy. You can, <laughs> you can do funny things. You can say funny things. You can say, fuck you. And people just don't say, they don't, 
they don't criticize you or kick you out of the church or anything. So you have a certain <laughs> kind of freedom. Yeah. And it's um, so it's plus, I mean, it's it's just what's so you go beyond the point of really because it's not important anymore of caring what people think. First of all, when you're younger, you women, we always like to look nice and girls like to because we're whether we know it or not, our hormones are trying to attract the opposite sex. We're trying to have a partner. We're trying to find our place in the society. So we want to look nice. And then after you've done all that, that's not so important anymore. You know, that's uh, it's not that you don't want to look nice. It's just that it takes the edge off of it. And you're all of a sudden you're doing it for you. Well, I like this color. You know, I don't have to turn to anybody and say, does this look good? Does my butt look big? You know, you don't have to say anything because it's just you. You have a certain standard for yourself and then you follow through with that. So there's a lot of freedom with it. But you and I have also before talked about um, respect for older people. And I have had people actually sit on me like I wasn't there, bump into me. And a lot of there, I don't think it's being disrespectful. I think it's being unaware. And so some cultures, yes, they really respect older people. And I think that, but I think respect comes from within. So a lot of people, um, older people are negative towards younger people because they feel they don't get the respect they deserve. I don't think you automatically get respect. I think it's something that you don't deserve that just because you're older for Pete's sake. And so, um, but also I think that you, um, and I, I don't see this enough is that I think if you have a sense of humor about things like that person sitting on me, I mean, I said something, they nearly jumped out of their skin. They didn't realize they actually had, they were so talking to their friends. They didn't realize they had sat on a person. We were in public <laughs> transport and they just plopped down on me, just scared the crap out of them. But I, so I think it's an awareness of things, but um, to me getting old, well, let me say something. I think you have to have your health when you're older. I think you have to start that when you're younger and you really have to realize that if you want to have a good second half, you need to try to stay as healthy as possible. Now I know shit happens. I have friends with cancer. I have friends with heart disease, all kinds of weird crap. And yes, that happens at any age though. So I think it's really important that you realize your health is like your number one friend. And so if you smoke, stop it. If you drink too much, kind of don't do that. You know, um, just things that gradually wear down the body and take, uh, and you don't realize it day by day if you're smoking. Both my parents died from smoking and uh, they were just ignorant about it. They, they weren't stupid, but they didn't understand how it affected their body. But we know now, we know a lot of stuff. And so um, that's an important thing. And I don't want to minimize people who are older who have physical difficulties. I just want to congratulate them for hanging in there and doing the best they can. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Um, so that's where I am. Yeah, I think that's a very important point that with health, everything is easier. And mm -hmm. without health, it doesn't mean that you cannot have good humor because there's proof, you know, in so many people that have challenges, big challenges, and they still keep the spirit up. And we can yeah. name famous people too, you know, like Christopher Reeve, for example. 
uh, who had many challenges and he still was an inspiration. So, but it is easier. Humor is better when you feel better. And so I think that's mm -hmm. a very good point that you can have a better second half if you arrive with more cards in the health department. <laughs> you know? Yes, I think yeah. it's true. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. know. I wanted to tell you one thing I learned recently in a uh, Qigong class I take is that not necessarily modern Chinese, but the older Chinese people, they thought of zero to 40 as young, 40 to 80 as middle age and 80 and over as older. And I think that's a, an interesting way to kind of look at it. They just chunked it. So we normally go, I guess, I don't know. We say 60 on is older. And, but there's this new thing like, oh, the 60s, the new 40, you know, there are these little sayings that go on. So there's that kind of shift, but um, it's all, and see, society does that to us. Society says, okay, you've reached a certain age and this is what we expect you to do. So do it. And then we have to challenge that. So like on my website, it's challenge aging. And that's all the time you're going, okay, that's fine. I see that, but I'm going to push that edge a little bit. You know, I'm going to, I, I think I can do better than that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we are in the same range then, according to the old Chinese, we're in the same, we're both middle-aged. So it, it's great. so interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. uh, it's just a different way of looking at things. It's, yeah. um, and also talking about health is I really think that learning to breathe properly and movement whether it's walking or swimming or yoga or Tai Chi or whatever it is, movement, slow movement, not so slow, whatever it is, is very, very important because our energy needs movement also. And when we move the body, we're moving the energy and oiling the joints. And that's what we also, we need to remember to do that as we get older. And then we don't stiffen up, you know? Yeah. And, and to know, I think, just to be aware, and I think your book should be a must read uh, for many ages, not only for the second half, but the fact that you can define how far you want to go in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, movement and things like I know, I, I know this video that I saw of this woman teaching yoga, and she was old i don't know what her age was i think it was in her 80s and she can do things that i cannot do you know yeah so and and then i heard this uh, story also of this woman and i'm sorry i forgot her name uh who did an iron man and she had an accident and they say well you know we're gonna limit the age of the woman competing or, or and men and she's like no it has nothing to do with my age it has to do with my weight and the wind that was blowing so you should not allow a competition if there is a certain amount of wind because it will happen to any age of a person that has my weight or less and so it's just amazing how our mind tries to right away attach things to age or even age, like right. you know and we can go on about colors you know skin color and sex and all that stuff we we create these patterns in our head that now if you're old this is the cause and you know and if you're yes. old, this is this is how you should behave. And if you're old, this is what you should do. And and I think you know you are an amazing example of breaking that you know that that mindset or that concept. You know, so kudos. Well, I'd like you. to I'd like to see a movement. I mean, not a radical movement, nothing 
but just a movement of people older that are shifting and showing that, nope, those, those, that's the old way. This is the new way. And because it's going to take a lot of, um, it's going to take a lot of our 20%, 20% of the population is over 60. That's one out of five people. And we have a lot of power. And so it's, but it's going to take a movement of those people to realize how much they have to give back and who they can be. And to set an example for everyone coming forward. Um, and so it's, uh, that's what I'd like to see happen all over the world. And, you know, maybe my book will, I, if my book can help people, I think that's exactly what I want it to do. I want, even if, you know, five people read it and make a shift, I think that's worth it. It's worth it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And not, not every culture is the same in terms of how they relate to moral, you know, older people in, in Spain, for example, the families mix more together and the, the many grandparents live with their families. Many grandparents take care of now. <laughs> They're like the new babysitters, at least here in Spain. <laughs> and I know in the U.S. is a little bit different. Uh, and then some Latino cultures. So every culture has its own idiosyncrasy. There you go. You know, we talked a little bit about places where elders are still revered as a source of wisdom yes and how that's kind of getting smaller those groups are getting smaller and we kind of miss the benefit of of having that kind of thing go on but i will tell you what i know of some older people is i i wouldn't want a lot of the older people that i've met to be an elder, I don't think they have the right mindset to be an elder. So I don't think it should automatically happen. I think it's a, like we talked about, a, a mindset that you have that puts you in that position. Yeah, because if you get stuck in not changing and not accepting things that are changing, then you're not of service because you're going against against um, and you can even criticize everything that the new generations are doing so yes. i think it's beautiful when you can have an exchange where the wisdom that only age gives and experience gives you know can help the younger generations and the younger generations can exchange everything the new ideas and the new comes concepts that are bringing to the world you know so that you know there is an exchange there and i think it's so valuable but like you're saying, it's not it's not something that by being old you get. No. It's, it's, it's like the respect, you know. In my in my country, we're taught to respect the elderly, but I think it's also something that is important to earn, you know, to to yeah. be a person of service and to be a person that is contributing. And if you're just whining about everything else, which can happen at any age, has nothing to do with age, has to do with mindset, uh, then it's hard and it's hard to be around those people. So I think it is, uh, it is very hard. And I, I do see that a lot. And I, I find it, um, I find it quite sad, really, because the alternative is so much better. I don't know, I know being sick, I know not feeling well makes you cranky and critical. I know that. I, I, I just, it's just the way it is. My mother was a lot like that. And she just was not a happy person when she was older. But also, once again, it starts from you. So you can say at any time, I am just the crankiest 
rottenest person to be around. Nobody wants to be around me anymore. Nobody invites me anywhere. What can I do about it rather than, well, they're awful and they don't respect me. And so you, you have to sometimes go, oh, okay, you're right. I did. I criticized the, those kids. I criticized my nieces and nephews. I, I'm critical. And why am I? What is it? Why do I do that? You know, be curious about your good things about yourself and the things you don't approve of with yourself and figure out why, what does that happen? And why do, why do I do that? And how could I make that shift if, if that's what's necessary? If things are great, don't do it. Don't change anything. But if you find that it's holding you back from being who you really want to be, yeah, it's, it's just, it's difficult. Taking health aside, so assuming that you're healthy, why do you think some people get more cranky with age, taking, you know, that they have good health? Because some people have this concept that, yeah, you know, everybody that when they get older, they get more cranky or they complain more and everything is wrong. And, and I don't know if that's your experience, but what do you think about that? I think a lot of, yes, I run into that a lot of people my age. And I think it comes from expectations and that you feel that you had to work this hard or you had to do this and they should be able to do that. And why don't they do that? And then also when you find that people are not asking you for help, sometimes when you retire, you're not asked for your wisdom anymore and people kind of brush you aside. And so you get angry at them. Well, they just don't know. And I could be doing this and that. And uh, I also think it comes from being around other negative people. It's kind of like a feeding frenzy of negativity. And then there's there's a lot of assumptions made about people that are different from you, whether they're younger, their skin color is different, their age is different, their sex is different, whatever it is, there are people make assumptions. And so you have to go, okay, what are my assumptions about things? And chances are they're pretty negative, but you know, we can't make people change. They have to want to change. Yeah. And so a lot of people get some kind of benefit from being negative. They get a reaction from other people. They get, they push people away and sometimes that's what they want. So they're negative. They don't, they don't want you to come into their space or question them. They get very unhappy with themselves. And so therefore they obviously have to be unhappy with you. And a lot of older people feel the need to be right. And so if you feel you have to be right about something, a belief system, a, an idea, a religious thing, whatever, then somebody has to be wrong. And so you figure out a way to make those people wrong and you, then you continue to be right. You know, you give up an awful lot being right. But some people just feel that that's they they're not willing to give it up. Yes, those young kids, they're just stupid. Those young kids are hooligans and whatever it is, they they're not willing to take off their blinders and and see the bigger picture. It's quite fearful for them. And it's very scary to admit you're wrong. Very scary, because then who are you if you build up your whole life to be this certain way? then who are you? Where's your identity? So it can be scary, Christine. I don't know. I'm just thinking that some people are, they would rather stay negative than risk uh, the unknown. 
and step yeah. out there, you know. What helped you to be so outgoing and, and open and exploring? I think I think it started when I was pretty young. Like I said, I had a dad who was quite verbally and also physically abusive, uh, hitting us and so on, not sexually, but just taking off his belt and hitting us and drinking a lot. And so I think I decided, and I have no idea why, but I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be like this because I'm the youngest. I have two sisters that are older and they never escaped it. But I just kept telling myself that. And then actually, when as I was growing up, um, I had a grandmother who was very influential on me. She died when I was 10, but I think that set the tone for possibility. And then I had a, a Sunday school teacher that was that was very positive. I didn't go to church after I was 17, but this this made the imprint on me. Then I've had teachers uh, that took me under their wing. And I think that it was these uh, caring adults as I was growing up that sort of cradled me and kind of opened doors for me and kind of helped me. So I really attribute it to that. I don't know that that's luck, but I know that I have a sister just two years older and we are like night and day raised by the same family, almost the same age. And it was just like I was living in a different universe from her. And, and the thing is, I don't know if that's the universal guardians watching out for me or whatever that is, but I do respect that. And I am grateful that my life turned out that way. So I think that when I was in when I was younger and in high school, everybody was drinking. And I, because of my father drinking, I didn't drink. And I was always the designated driver to drive them places and do things. And I think I just throughout life then became kind of this person that I am rather than it, it making a decision. I think it was just a bunch of small incidents that unfolded. But that's that's a that's a very good point on bringing up that sometimes life is not about a big decision. It's about the little decisions that we make every day. Mm -hmm. And and you said it like you had a sister or you have a sister who's who's very close to you and live the same environment. And yet you chose to look at the positive and, and these people had a yeah. positive imprint in you and you chose that you chose to focus on that. And I think it is the little choices sometimes that have the biggest impact, but it's everyday choices. So sometimes we don't give it the, the, the weight that it can have in our lives and mm -hmm. um and how it's going to take us on one path, you know, instead of on another path, just those little choices that we make every day. Exactly. I think so. And, you know, I, I, I wrote this little thing on Facebook about uh, Mother's Day. We just had Mother's Day in the United States last Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I thought there have been so many people that have been motherly to me. And some of them have not been women. Mm. They've been, you know, uh, just kindness and understanding and taking the time to listen and uh, giving me a helping hand. And those to me were all motherly, the idea of mother, motherly gestures. It just was. Um, and I think if, if we can do that for other people, that that's just really important, particularly we were talking about generations. If we can do that for a young person, whether it's in the 
whether it's in the plaza or the church or the market or at a school or just on the street, if if a child needs needs something, you can speak to them or or help them in some way. It just makes a big difference. Also, one of the things I realized is that we with cell phones and other screens, we don't do eye contact as much anymore. We are, people are looking at their screen. Young people are looking at their screens. They're looking down and they're playing with their screen. And sometimes the whole family is playing with their screen. And it's not that they don't love each other, but I think sometimes the eye contact is important. And just just that moment of connection with it, even 30 seconds makes a difference. If you're in a cafe and the server comes to you, just making that little eye contact and uh, it's good. Yeah. And it's a good point to bring up because I think if people get used to now looking at the screens, if you stare at them at the eyes directly, it can be intimidating for some people or they can feel threatened or they can feel uncomfortable, you know, because they're not used to it anymore (laughs) unless you're looking through a screen. So I think it's true for young people too, because they're so that's where if they don't have the family life, they're getting their attention through the screen. But you know, it was interesting when we had to wear the masks all the time, Mm -hmm. I was looking at people's eyes a lot more. And if somebody laughs, they kind of crinkle. If they're smiling, their eyes, and you can tell that they're smiling. It's so sweet. I could just tell by their face with the mask on that they were smiling. Yeah. And so it was um, it was an interesting observation for me. But you're right about uh, people getting uncomfortable with looking at them. So, you know, we're talking. I'm not staring at you all the time. I'm 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 looking to the left and the right and up. And but we're still connecting with our eyes. I'm not right now. I'm just ahead. You're just ahead. Yeah. You know, but (laughs) but but our minds figure out the body. Our minds know this is a person. Yeah. And um, I mean, there've been a lot of studies done, like when a child is born and the mother puts the child in their arms and the child looks at the mother, there's a space that is a connection. I don't know how many inches it is, but there's a space. And the screen does that for kids. The screen, they have the screen in the intimate space. And so we, we as adults, if we're making apps or if we're doing whatever we're doing, we need to be responsible to those kids in a positive way because we're, we're being substitutes for them for a lot of things. And um, unfortunately there's a lot of negative crap because it's all about making money, but there's some good stuff too. There's good stuff too. Well, this is a tool and like any tool, you know, you can have a hammer and you can build a house or you can kill someone with a hammer. So that's right. Yeah, it's depending on the tool, how is how is used. It's not really the tool; it's how it's used and everything. It's how it's used. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and I that's a really good thing to remember, isn't it? For when when you're communicating with from somebody from a different generation, that each generation has its tools, and yes, and and a lot of times older adults will criticize that as a negative tool rather than looking at the positive thing about it. Yeah, because I don't think cell phones are not going to go away. No, you know, rock and roll didn't go away because a bunch of parents <laughs> yeah. wanted to ban it. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. just, you know, it was just one of those things. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, when, when I started computer science in Spain, it was not so known. Actually, it took me always a while to explain what it meant to be a computer scientist. And I remember my best friend from school, she said, I will never have a computer. You know, I will, I refuse to have a computer. And she was an economist. And uh, fast forward, she had a computer before I did. But I remember telling her, like, you can say whatever you want about computers. It's, it's a tool. And someday everybody will have this tool and you have to figure out how to use it for good, you know, for good, because it will just be something like a, like a telephone. Like, you know, we used to have this hanging telephones at home yeah. and it's like, you can like it or not like it, you can use it or not use it, but it is there. So you might as well learn what it can be useful for you and how mm -hmm. you can use it for good for you, you know, because you can be on the phone the whole day and do nothing else. And that's maybe not productive. Or you can use the phone to, you know, to communicate with your family who's far away. You can use the phone to create something. You can, you know, so there's endless possibilities in all the tools. And I think we need to learn the tools because the tools are coming and they're coming more and more complex. And as, a, as humans, we need to figure out how to handle them well so that the tools don't kill us, you know, or don't make us go, go against each other and, or don't yeah. separate us, you know. So we need to use the tools and we need to teach everybody those tools exist and to make it, you know, and I'm talking about tools like all the new medicine that is coming and all the new things that are coming. And I, we can say, I don't like it because it's unknown, but I think we all have the capacity to learn at any age and you are proof of that. You're here in the Zoom, you know, yeah. making all this technology, having your website, creating your book, talking to people on social media. <laughs> So, yeah, I, um, I, I do. I, the thing I think that is different and we have to give some credit to it, but I think we're up for it is that technology is developing exponentially very, yeah. very, very fast. Yeah. And we, as humans, we still have this reptilian brain back here. We're plodding along, you know, where, and so that's where the disconnect comes. So we just have to say to ourselves, listen, the tigers aren't out there trying to get us anymore. We can do this. Let them go. Stop being fearful. Move forward and embrace this. And uh, but but even with your phone, like when I talk to older people, I go, OK, so you drive a car, right? And when you when you get your car, you have a big, thick manual. It's maybe an inch thick and you maybe flip through it once or twice. But really, all you need to know how to do is start the car, drive the car, put on the brakes, back up, go forward, park, turn on the windshields, the light. You don't need to know how all those bits work in the car. You can still drive it. Same with your phone. You don't need to know everything. You need to know how to get your email and text and your camera and this and that. But other than that, let that stuff go and focus on what it is you need to know. What do I need to know about this? Because if you get hung up in the weeds, then you're never going to get on the path again. And so people need whatever they're doing in life, they need to know, okay, what do I need to know? And let the rest be on the side. When I need to know that, I'll go over there and get that. But right now, I don't. And we get, so the, the thing that bothers technology with older people is they look at the phone and they look at the bazillion, th my, my phone, my Apple phone is more, is more powerful than my computer, you know, and they go, Oh my God, I could never do that. 
Well, they only have to do a few things, you know, then they learn that and they do a few things more. So it's a, uh, like you say, it, it's an, it's an openness for, this is a positive change. This is a tool for me. This is great. What can I do to make my life better with this tool? I don't know. I think that it's endless possibilities. My daughter and son-in-law have a Roomba, you know, it goes around and it cleans the floor. And this little dude start, he has a little house and then he starts up at five o'clock They have him set for five and he knows all the rooms and he goes around. And if there's something in the way, he goes around it. It's just freaking amazing. It's so cute. <laughs> and pretty soon we'll have more of those do more things. They already build cars. They already do a lot of things. And so we have to get used to having something mechanical that does things for us that we normally would do. And I think it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Nice. I love that. And yeah. I think the, the, the thing of having a learning mindset, a growth mindset constantly, and to know that you're going to be a beginner many, many times, you know, oh, it's, it's not only so when you're great. young. I, I can share this. I am a software engineer. I have a master's in computer science in my, now she's six, but my niece, even with four years old, she was teaching me things, you know, on the phone. She's like, auntie, if it's not working, reboot the phone please. <laughs> and then it will work again. And I just could not believe it. And I will play games just to, she does, she's not allowed to play many games, but so once in a while she is, and I wanted to try and see out how is her world, you know, so to see what she yeah. likes. And so I got into this game where we're running around and I will walk backwards and she's like, and go forward. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> and I have, you know, I have a master in computer science and I cannot walk forward <laughs> with this freaking game. So it's just to accept we cannot know everything and we just have to be always with a learning mindset and, and always we do. Open to, yeah. But, but some, a lot of older people I have found is they feel like if they try once and it doesn't work, they give up. Like, and I go, what the hell are you, what are you talking about? You gotta be, have a, a beginner's mind. You gotta make hundreds of mistakes and they aren't mistakes. They're just movements for, but they just give up. They give up. I can't do it. And I go, oh, I just, I don't know what it is. I think it's, they feel like I'm a grown up. Like you say, I have a master's in this. I, and I'm a grown up and I'm an engineer. I'm a doctor. I should be able to do this and I can't. So I'm not going to do it. It's bad, but they just, they have to be childlike again and not yeah. forget that what that joy is of, and do children say, I made a mistake? No, they push another button. They push another button. They push the screen. They, they don't, they don't, they don't, oh my God, what did I do? They just keep working it. Yeah. It's so cute. I know. I know. It's and, just so and the, cute. And the thing is, you said it before, you know, you were saying I'm kind of now more invisible so I can be more crazy. So it should yeah. allow, you know, everyone to play more because nobody play, can. play, play. Yeah. yeah. And everybody's going to, oh yeah, she's doing this mistake again. So what? <laughs> so, so what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, just let her be. Yeah. She's dancing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she, so it's just, um, it's, I think getting older is a fun time. And I, if you take the opportunity to be curious all the time, be curious, just like, like, how does that kid know that? Or why does that tree grow that way? Or, you know, why is that the sky look like that? Whatever it is, just be curious and, uh, and be curious about yourself. Why do I, why does my stomach hurt? What did I do? Did I eat something? Am I not exercising right? Did I need more water? Be curious about it rather than just ignoring it. And that's really a, that's a fun thing. Now, I did want to ask you, um, we were talking a little bit before about 
bringing generations together. And um, I really got to thinking about that. And I, you know, I thought, how, how can we do that? And I, I looked it up, I actually Googled ways to bring generations together and truly lots of pages of groups doing things came up, whether they were in Scotland or in Africa or Mexico or United States. It was so interesting to me, things that, that different groups are doing, but that might be somebody with 50 people, a hundred. We want millions. We want the world to feel this, don't we? And one of the things that we know children do most every place, they go to school, children go to schools and they, and then there are university students and there are high school students. And then there are people who are older. Some of them live alone. Some of them live in groups. Some of them live in homes. And so is there a way to make that connection with those groups that are already exist? And I thought that maybe that schools could have an adoption program for older people. But also, I, I will tell you this little story. I have a friend, she's my age. So her father's quite a bit older. And um, he was just, like we talked about, very cranky. No matter how many people she brought in the house, he would not have them cook for him or be in the house or anything. He was cranky, mean, nasty. And she was just beside herself because she they didn't live near each other. And she, he needed care. She found five university students. They all lived together in a big house and they managed her dad. They all, none of them missed classes. None of them got tired of it because they weren't there 24 hours a day. And so five of them were able to rotate in. He loved those kids. They loved the dude. They really liked this older man. He was never mean to them. And so there was a shared love and respect, but that nobody got worn out or tired or upset because it was always being rotated. So I think we have to think outside of the norms and we have to be willing to give up our assumptions, older people, assumptions about younger people, younger people, assumptions about older people, and somehow come together and realize are that there's many things that we can share with each other. And we also talked about stories where stories are a really good way to connect, particularly if you tell a story about yourself that's funny, a mistake you made, then kids feel, wow, they made that mistake. Oh, okay. And they could tell a little story about themselves. So I thought of that. There's schools, there are churches, there are small towns, um, some places have things called community centers, but another thing I think that older people need to learn to do, maybe younger people too, is they need to learn to listen to a younger person without their voice in their head going on, judging them and pre preconceived ideas and false accusations and whatever it is, they need to let go of that and just be there in the moment and listen. And um, so I think there's possibilities. I just think it's a, it's going to be difficult, but it's worth it. So what, you know, so you're doing this program and talking to people. And I got to thinking about some ideas and things that I could do. I just think it's a really, a, a, a very, an excellent 
necessary thing that we bring the generations together again. I think they've separated a little bit. Yeah, and, Spe uh, especially in, in the North countries, like North Europe and, and U.S., more than the Southern countries. Oh, yeah. And, and I think this thing of listening with open mind on both sides is really important. I remember one one time I was at an airport and, and somebody, a stewardess, was asking me, would you mind making sure that this lady gets into your plane? Because she knew I was going in a certain plane. And I'm like, yeah, sure. She was uh, old. I didn't know her age. And I sat down with her. We start talking. And I said, you know, I live in Denver, Colorado, in the USA now. And then she's like, oh, I visited Denver. I'm like, nice. And so she says, yeah, with my son in 1936. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, that sounded like a, a big, you know, I wanted to sit down with this woman and hear all her stories because my dad was born that year. So for me, it was like, what? You went traveling in 1930? It just sounded like so surreal. She was 105. Oh my and, gosh. And she was traveling. She was going to see her sister and, and they didn't have good health, neither of them. So she thought this is the last time I can see her, but she was still traveling with 105. So the, yeah. the, the, the stories that you can tell, you know, a younger person cannot tell and the, and the mindset that a young person can have can also help, um, you know, open the mind of some people that are more fixed minded. So mm -hmm. there's so many things we can exchange. And I think it's all having, you know, the just listening, the willingness to listen and, and just yeah. with an understanding, with compassion, you know, with saying, OK, they're different. A generation is different. They already live many different things. So. You know, what yeah. can this person teach me? What can I learn from this person? What what um what's the wisdom that we can share? What's the new ideas that we can share? So yeah. Yeah, I think it's I, I really like that. And I I remember I had somebody tell me that I because I write a lot of blog posts and I write a lot, is that what's your what's your intention? Write down what do you what do you want to say in this? And the same thing with a conversation is. What do I want to get out of this? What would I like to learn from this person? And if you kind of set that up ahead of time, I want to be able to be open. I want to be able to find out about them. I, I want to share with them. I want to hear their stories. You then are open for that. So that would be a great, a great kind of training. Because I think in a way it is a training. We're training ourselves every day. We're all teachers. And we teach ourselves and we teach others. So I like I like that very much. That's a a great thing to do. I think. Okay. Yeah. I think we're on to something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had some conversations before these, so that's why all these things are coming out. And we also talk about change will happen no matter whether you like it or not. Remember, we were saying that, and, and yes, it's just what you do with change. You will you will change. And sometimes we don't see the change and sometimes we see the change, but it will happen. It's happening. And so what we do with it and you're doing amazing things with it, it's going to make you grow like you yes. or it's going to make you get stuck and suffer. And so it's it's just what you do with what life throws at you. And uh, you're an amazing example, Kathleen. Thank you, dear. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I, I hope to go on and be an example. It's... Um, it's a, it's a, to me, it's an exciting time. I have a lot of fear for, for bad things that are going on, but I don't let it stop me because there's so many 
good people and good things going on also. So I tend to focus on that and um, uh, realize I, I can only set an example and make change. You know, you yourself can be a change maker like your program. And I think that through each person individually, like we talked about, just we'll start with your family first, yourself first, then your family, then your neighborhood and so on. We can all effectively uh, make a change and don't make assumptions, be open and um, realize that, like you said, that we're all different. There's many differences, but also it's interesting about, about change is that we're changing on a cellular level all the time. Our skin sloughing off or growing inside or hair, whatever. And so you're right. You, we can't stop that. And uh, we need to embrace it as something that is exciting. I want to ask you also, what is a change that you want to see in the world? The thing that would uh, make a big difference for me is if people had more compassion for other people and more understanding and um, that they were willing to accept things that were not always just the way they would like it. But one of the things I think that I learned by traveling so much is that you get much more of an awareness of other people and other cultures and other ideas. So I would like to see people travel more and get out of what they think life is in their tiny little box and, and then just show compassion at all levels whether it's for a dog, a person, an idea, um, something that you disagree with, just, okay, I don't agree with that. And I understand where they're coming from, whatever that is. So I would like that. Nice. I vote for that too. <laughs> I yeah. am with you. Well, thank you so much, Kathleen. An hour has flown by like really, really fast. Uh, but it I'm has. So happy we reconnected again. And, and oh, me to too. See the wonderful things that you're doing and that you got this book out and that, you know, it's so exciting to see. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, dear. Thank you. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Christina. Bye-bye now. Thank you.